Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 129 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Hi Mitch, it's Sunday again. It sure is. Sunday suck at 11am specifically. How you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you very much. I'm doing alright. Uh, I've got a belly full of curry from last night. It was lovely. Yeah, how are you? I'm not bad. Yeah, uh, busy week. Sure. What's going on? Um, but happy to be here. Have been watching some things. Have you? I've watched a couple of things. Uh, I went on a shudder this week and watched Blood Vessel. Now, we talked about this on the new arrivals on the streaming platforms relatively recently, as I recall. Hmm. Yeah, we did. Going back to 2019 for this one. Released via the Horror Collective, past guest Jonathan Barkan's new endeavour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is directed by Justin Dix, who directed Crawl Space. Oh, I remember Crawl Space. Yeah, okay. Basically, what you've got here is a bunch of survivors floating on a life raft. They come across a ghost ship in the middle of the sea that's floating. I say a ghost ship. It's only a ghost ship in so much as it's deserted, or apparently deserted, uh, in the middle of the sea, this kind of Nazi minesweeping ship. Um, And they climb aboard there to try and find their salvation and hope that Ultimately, whatever Nazis could wreak upon them is nothing compared to the the, the fury of the sea. Right, okay. Uh, But what they actually find on there is not Nazis at all. It's something far more sinister and supernatural. I I, I don't mind telling you, it's vampires. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) See. um... And, uh, I don't know what I was yeah, expecting, I... but for some reason, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but for some reason I wasn't expecting vampires, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's vampires, and uh, they, uh, do you know what, I didn't really massively mind this, I, 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 was, I wasn't either way on it really, some of the accents, I have to say, are absolutely god-awful. Okay. There's one guy who's obviously, he, he is not Russian, and he's playing a Russian guy, and it's just so, it's it's almost verging on the, the Transylvanian accent that I did just two seconds ago. Well, I was going to say, are any of them talking like the Count from Sesame Street? <laughs> yeah, it, it's really, it, that's the, the most jarring thing about the whole film. Uh, there's some good okay. practical stuff in here, it gets gory at points, but ultimately, I just, and this is going to sound harsh, I didn't really care. No, 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 I know what you mean. When I saw the kind of look at it, the vampires and stuff, and I, I just kept thinking, I kind of want to turn this off now and watch 30 Days a Night. Got you. Okay, and, yeah. And then similarly, sense. I was like, I could watch Shockwaves, or I could go and watch Overlord or something, do you know what I mean? Which is actually far better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely fine. And like I say, there's some cool ghost stuff in here. Not the worst Shudder exclusive I've seen. Okay, fair enough. Did you manage to fit uh, anything else in, aside from Blood Vessel? Uh, yes, but we'll, we'll come to that. By the way, Blood Vessel, you see what they've done there? Yes, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> clever. Uh, <laughs> it took me a second. Honestly, actually, that took me longer than I cared to admit to put together. I'm <laughs> like, to be honest. Well, I didn't know it was. Va- I didn't know there was vampire involvement until I actually sat down to watch it. And then when this fucking, you know, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? It's a film you love to talk about because you love it so much, right? <laughs> Fuck off. Yes, of course. Yeah. I you know, know there's the bit where he's the kind of 
man batty figure. Yeah. All of the all the vampires kind of have that look about them. I see. <laughs> right, okay. Um, and it's like a kind of family of vampires that's on there in these really elaborately carved and moulded coffins. Jinx. Wow, that uh, sounds eventful. <laughs> it's not really. No? No, it's not really. And at, at the ending of it as well, I was kind of like, all right, cool, got you. <laughs> and the very, actually, the very last moment before the credits rolled, my eyes rolled. Oh, dear. Right, okay. Yeah. One of those. Yeah, but it, like I say, it's fine. It's fine. It's ninety-three right. minutes. It doesn't outstay its welcome dramatically. Okay, cool. Um, I have um, a bit of a spread of stuff this week. I watched two things this week. I um went onto Netflix. Mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we did the streaming platforms that the possession of Hannah Grace was uh, mm. was coming. Yes. So I jumped back to 2018 for that one. Um, now, this did get a theatrical release in the UK, and I missed it at the time, so I thought I would just catch up. This got absolutely panned at the time. I think it's got like 18% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Something like that. It's really, really uh, not a well-liked film at all. I didn't particularly care for it, but I think that it's absolutely unworthy of the kind of panning that it got. It's basically, you've got this uh, former policewoman who gets a job at a morgue, and she's kind of like haunted by the death of her partner, which was on the job, and she couldn't do anything about it. It's all kind of like fairly standard issue tortured cop stuff. Right, okay. Um, sure. uh, but she starts working at uh, this morgue, and the film follows a night shift where a body arrives, and it is the body of a recently exorcised girl called Hannah Grace. Sure. So basically, it's just a case of the cursed corpse turning up and things getting incrementally creepier outwards from there. So, mm. yeah, as a standalone piece, similarly, what you're saying about Blood Vessel, this is, like, just inside the 90-minute mark. It's perfectly fine for this kind of uh, slightly claustrophobic one-location possession story. Like, it's, it's okay, but what I would say is that it brings to mind better films in a way that makes you want to go and watch the other films it definitely does do that like um if what you like is the idea of this kind of like medical procedural in real time with a supernatural bent then you could go and watch the autopsy of jane doe and that's probably what you should do <laughs> similarly if you like like this kind of like this former cop being terrorized overnight by potentially supernatural things uh the last shift is out there and i kind of spent my time thinking about the fact that this film reminded me of those two films so much it was distracting. <laughs> um, so, like I said, there's nothing wrong with this as such. I think that it's perfectly fine. The actual kind of uh, the visual of the body is really horrible. Right. It's quite good in that way. And there's a couple of kind of little smart things in there and a couple of smart conceits, but it's nothing you haven't seen before. Like I say, Possession of Hannah Gray is not nearly as bad as it's made out to be, but also certainly not great. Oh, okay. Lovely. So hardly a glowing recommendation, but not a slamming indictment. No, I would say that's fair, yeah. Um, also yesterday, me and friend of the show, Panda, were uh, looking for something to watch on Amazon Prime. And how did that go? And... <laughs> Well, um, we just cycled through some of the new editions and we jumped to a 2020 release, actually. It came out in February wow. of this year, um, simpler times. Uh, we checked out the film Insta Psycho. Now, before we got on Insta Psycho, Mitch, let me just tell you something that will blow your mind, given how this year has gone, right? The Invisible Man came out in February. That's fucking nuts, isn't it? Yeah, that, like that—that that feels like that came out about three years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, that's but, not um, even—that's—that's that's not even—that's like nine months ago. I know, I know. Jesus, what a year it's been. Insta Psycho, then, uh, directed by Nick Everhart, uh, was released okay. as Insta Fame in some territories, I believe. Got to say, uh, I prefer that new title. Well, Insta Psycho. What I would say is, I think that like uh, Insta Fame is probably 
a slightly less silly title and probably in a couple of ways a better title but i also wouldn't have watched it if it was called that but when it was called insta psycho was like yeah i'll take the punt on this um so uh nick everhart directed this now he has got a fair few director credits a lot of them kind of have like kind of lifetime movie feels about them from the last few years sure um, but also directed things like the Penny Dreadful Picture Show and stuff like that. So he has also line produced a few things uh, that I want to mention really quickly. Uh, AVH, Alien vs. Hunter. Okay, that sounds like it was ripped right from the vaults of the asylum. Uh, yes, see also Alan Quatermain and the Temple of Skulls. Right, okay, I, I see what they're doing there. They're taking the Quatermain character and uh, just essentially really forcing him down the Indiana Jones route. Yeah, pretty much. A few things like this, but yeah, the most recent uh, of his output was Insta Psycho, uh, which also actually stars Kim Director from uh, Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. But yeah, so what you have here is it's like it's it's kind of a tech thriller kind of thing, not tech thriller, but it kind of centers around social media and young people. Um, and you have these these high school friends who are, are all. I think that the film's actual handling of social media is fine. Right. Like I think that like it's it's actually some of the some of the things that it has to say about people who like chase likes and things like that are actually quite funny. I think that that element of it is reasonably well observed. Okay. So you have these three girls, right? And one of them lives in housing that was built by a charity, right? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So this girl, Sasha, has got like thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram and stuff. She comes over to this girl and she's like, oh, you live in th- this house or this housing, don't you? And she was like, oh, yeah, I do. And then she does a like story of her standing with this girl. And she's like, oh, um, we built this kind of charity housing and this girl lives in it. You support me so I can support girls like this. It is a fairly distasteful thing, right? Right. But after that, they just like it's it's just like time to take down Sasha because of this, right? And I was thinking, I was watching it, and I was like, if she's supposed to be the antagonist of this, then this film has not done the work for that. Because all you've seen really here is Sasha, who is, lest we forget, an actual child. <laughs> who has done some charity work and probably has a slightly blinkered and tunnel vision view of her own altruism. Sure, uh-huh, uh-huh. But after that, it's like, oh, fuck this girl. We need to, like, take her down a peg. And I was like, why? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was a it was a fairly insensitive thing that she did. But, like, I was like, this, the punishment does not fit the crime. And ultimately, what you get here is that they largely, basically, after a campaign of what is effectively cyberbullying, uh, they frame her for murder. <laughs> and so this, this film, this was really, really daft. But it's very entertaining. But I think the thing that I thought about it predominantly was that they were like, oh, we'll show her. And I was like, you're all awful. (laughs) Like, the people you're supposed to be cheating, like kind of cheating on, uh, are just dreadful people. And the fact that you get flashes of their like troubled home life and stuff like that does nothing to dispel the fact that they're doing incredibly vindictive and damaging things to somebody who did not do a great amount wrong. Now, my understanding is that obviously you're supposed to think that the uh, the Sasha character does insensitive, stupid things all the time, but you don't see her doing any other ones. You just see her doing this one, and it's like, okay, so what you're saying is that like she has wrongly addressed or discussed the philanthropy that she has done at age sixteen, and that's why we're destroying this girl's life. I see, right? Sure, Insta Psycho is a very pleasing distraction. (laughs) um uh it's 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 a load of rubbish but it's very very entertaining you could do a lot worse if you're again if you're just looking for an 85 minute thing to have on 
Um, uh-huh. It's 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 really interesting because, like I say, I th- I think it gets quite a lot right. Like I, say, I think the commentary that it makes on social media and people's attitudes, specifically to Instagram and stuff like that, is I I think that that stuff is all fine. It feels way less well. In the beginning, it kind of feels a little bit written by committee. You know, right. like, what do the young people say? But it kind of gets away from that a little bit. And I think that the actual stuff that it's getting at is reasonably sound. But it's just, like, it's incredibly daft. But I think that the thing that really baffled me about it was the extent to which it just misjudged where your loyalties were supposed to lie. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating stuff. So that's Insta Psycho or Insta Fame, depending on where you are in the world. Um, and if you want to check that out, it is on Amazon Prime. And honestly, you could do a lot worse. I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to watch that because it doesn't sound <laughs> like really at all like anything that floats my boat, but I'm glad that you've done the legwork and the homework, and yeah, if anyone out there wants to check out InstaCycle, like Mitch says, it's on Amazon Prime. My prediction is at least one person will have by this time next week. <laughs> Don't let me down, guys. So, moving on. Nature's gone wild again, Mitch. Once again, once mm. again, for the third week in a row, nature has gone wild. So you are on a side quest of your own at last. The torch has been passed, Back happened back at the beginning of November. So we've had ticks. Uh-huh. And uh, what was the first week again? Uh, we did Swarmed. Swarmed. I was going to say the Swarm, but I knew that was wrong. Uh, and we did, so- I did something else. I can't even remember what I started this with. <laughs> That's shocking. Striking stuff. Uh, okay, so people have been coming forward with suggestions and stuff like that. Um, the initial reaction to this and people engaging with it has been really fun to read. But uh, what did you go for this week? Well, I've danced around this one for a while and I've heard a couple of other people talking about it. The poster for it's been sat in a folder for quite a long time now as a potential Mitch's pitch poster. So we're going back to 1987 for Beaks the Movie. Yeah, as I was hoping you were going to say that, I had a feeling that was what we were building to. Yes, Mitch, the horror has taken wing and we're off with Beaks the Movie. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, cool. Right, okay. Uh, I was going to, like, tell us what I can get. I think I can guess, but tell us what it's about. Let me tell you this, right? So this film was packaged as a sequel to The Birds. No, really? But the similarity to The Birds ends there, Mitch, with the fact that <laughs> this film has birds in it. That is all <laughs> that kind of relates to these two films. By the way, this film has uh, Christopher Atkins in it, who's your main man from Shackma. Oh, nice. Okay, excellent. <laughs> uh, but to give you a bit of background on Beaks, it's the story of a a journalist called Vanessa who uh, investigates the story of a farmer who was attacked by his chickens. Right, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this happens. <laughs> and she kind of travels to Spain to investigate these bird attacks on a kind of broader scale. And then uh, things get increasingly madder. The, the bird attacks get more and more crazy. Uh, I tell you, there's some stuff in this that you would never have imagined seeing a dove do. <laughs> okay. The bird of peace. Like what? Mitch. <laughs> yeah not in this film let me let me assure okay. you that the, the dove is not a symbol of peace and beaks it is a symbol of evil and murderous portent <laughs> amazing okay great uh so did you enjoy this can't recommend that enough loved every second of it <laughs> <laughs> i feel that that was coming <laughs> Fantastic, great. Okay, would you say that? um, (laughs) Would you say that of the first watch? (laughs) Would you say that of the first watches that you've had so far? Then this is the comfortably the biggest success. Then absolutely, absolutely superb stuff. Fantastic, great stuff. True Uh, cinema. (laughs) I'm glad that uh, the 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 ship has been righted. 
yes. on the on the uh, on the side quest between this and ticks. I feel like you're very much uh, you're very much back on stable ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Very exciting. Okay, and Beaks is on Amazon Prime. It is. Yes. Yes. It is. Yeah. Just look for a poster that has an incredibly aggressive eagle head filling the whole thing. But the, I say aggressive. <laughs> it's not really aggressive. It's kind of goofy looking. <laughs> But it's coming at you with with intent. <laughs> ah, it's standard. Great stuff. So moving on. It's feedback time then. Big thank you to everybody that's been getting in touch this week. Unsurprisingly, a lot of people getting in touch ref this past week's episode, which was a fairly interesting combination of elements, if we do say so ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. We were looking at Brian De Palma's passion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we were doing that with the aid, um, our guiding light through that film, through the smoke and the steam, was um, May and the woman director, Lucky McKee. Yes, yeah, and an absolute treat for me to have Lucky on the show, but an absolute dream come true for yourself. Yes, it was, It was. you know what, it was lovely. I don't, I, you know, I don't mind just taking a step back from that and just acknowledging that that was a big deal for me. Like, that was really, really fun, and it could not have gone better as well, you know, like, because um, mm-hmm. uh, very generous with his time, a lot of really interesting insights and all that kind of thing. And uh, you guys agreed, uh, Darren mm-hmm. Gaskell getting in touch on Twitter. I said I thought this was going to be a good one, and I wasn't wrong. I'm going to go back and revisit Passion. I didn't dislike it at the time, but I didn't love it either. I may have been too harsh, and I'm going to go and give it another shot for sure. Darren, I'd recommend that. I'm not going to say that it's perfect, but it's never not entertaining. Agreed. Kevin Matthews at Saltair Popcom getting in touch to say, first off, another fine episode. Thank you. Second, so sweet to listen to who else but Mitch flutter his eyelashes at Lucky McKee. I did do that a little bit. <laughs> Third, I remain unconvinced though and would love to hear your thoughts on Love Crime. The original film, obviously, if, I don't know if we mentioned it in the, the show, I'm sure we must have, but Passion is did, a remake yeah. of, a, of a French film. I'd be curious I'd be curious to see that as well because, because the film feels so European, I'd be very curious to see how, exactly how much of a departure it is. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but Kevin said he caught Love Crime after Passion and actually preferred it. Interesting. Okay, cool. I want to say a warm welcome back to uh, Caitlin, Scared Cheapless. Hello, Caitlin. Welcome back. We've missed you. Uh, Caitlin, yeah, yeah, we have. Caitlin did message uh, this week. She tweeted this week saying that, um, and a few people have said things like this, basically, where she's kind of fallen behind a little bit with the episodes because of a lack of commute, which I can completely uh, sympathize with. I've fallen behind with podcasts too for the exact same reason <laughs> during the pandemic. But um, she is working her way back through things and did check out this week's episode. She said, love this episode and discussion so much. Kindred Spirits definitely had that throwback thriller vibe, so Passion is definitely on my list now. Um, agree on all counts, uh, Caitlin. Kindred Spirits, uh, Lucky's new film, which just landed on Netflix in the UK uh, back at the beginning of November is really really good I think for one but also is really indebted to these kinds of films yeah uh yeah so I would say if you liked Kindred Spirits uh they're not the same but if you like Kindred Spirits <laughs> I would say that you'll find a lot to enjoy in uh in Passion as well but Caitlin lovely to hear from you welcome back uh Keon O'Brien getting in touch to say new strong violent PC reminding me that I haven't seen a single minute of a post Snake Eyes De Palma film thinking Passion might be a good jumping off point um, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that, but what I would say is, I would say check it out. Absolutely, I would recommend that everybody checks it out. I think it's the kind of thing that um, a lot of you guys would enjoy. Mostly people coming out kind of in favour of it. I actually don't have anything else left on Passion, but uh, you got anything, maybe anything that possibly represents the other side of the viewpoint? Uh, just the one thing really coming up against Passion here from Four-Eyed Curmudgeon James Patrick Duffy. <laughs> Uh, He's going to change that every week now. 
saying, three very good actors and one of cinema's most iconic directors give us this instalment of Hollyoaks Late. Mean. I'll mean. never use sweetener in my coffee again. You, you probably shouldn't use sweetener because it's my understanding that it's actually not very good for you. No, no, it's not. It's not. That's that's been proven. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, steer clear. Regardless of uh, regardless of uh, passion's influence, I just don't think you should do that anyway. I think it's just a good choice yeah. for you, James. <laughs> I've got to say, Mitch, I think when you were apportioning out the feedback this week, you weighted it quite heavily towards me to read out the passion things because I've still got heaps. All right, okay. I, I, that's quite possible. I did that on the hop this morning, so um, so I may have got the ratios wrong. Uh, yeah, crack on, because I've got no more. Okay, uh, I've got Fee Bunny at Carpenter is God. Hello. She's got in touch to say, absolutely loved this episode and the dissection of passion between you guys. Definitely worthy of a rewatch. Ever so slightly swooned over the May chat as well. Well, that makes you and Mitch. Let's <laughs> just say, you and me both, pal. You and me both. <laughs> uh, anything else? Yeah, Alexis. At Cosmic Raygirl getting in touch to say, Right, Strong Violent PC, I watched your passion. Not mine, or Mitch's, got to say, as no. mine, the Palmer's. Yeah, I, also, also, I like it fine, but it's not my passion. <laughs> but I've yet to listen to this week's podcast. I hope that has since been rectified. This film screams female empowerment. Sure, it's full of backstabbing sex and boobs in capital letters, um, but it's wonderful. First watch for me, and I enjoyed it. Thanks for bringing Great it stuff. to my attention. No, no, no. Thank us not. Thank Lucky McKee. Absolutely, yeah. But that's cool, though, Alex. I was really glad you liked the film. And also, yeah, like, hope you enjoy the episode as well. Um, but, yeah, always good to know that people are seeking things out and getting something out of them. Mm. Now, this film, Mitch, is set in Germany for the most part. It is indeed, yeah. Now, apart from some parts which purport to be London, but it's still very much definitely uh, a studio in Germany with a London backdrop out of a window. Andre Martins, our man in Germany. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. I, I noticed that we had good numbers in Germany uh, last month, and I'm wondering if it's just Andre, just on his own. <laughs> um, nice. uh, yeah, just uh, maybe he did like a big back episode deep dive or something, because I think we cracked the top 40 in Germany this past month. Um, oh, so I'm assuming that that's solely the work of Andre. <laughs> well, Andre's given us some facts. Well, I say facts, it's hard for me to separate which of this is true and which is kind of sarcasm. Um, <laughs> it, could all, down the garden path. it could all be true but uh, i don't know some of it just doesn't ring true to me uh, okay <laughs> uh coming from the passion episode where i talked about the name dirk uh, i thought it was quite a cool name uh, i felt it was a name that i've never really heard anyone be called before andre says dirk actually is a rather common name in germany i had two cousins named dirk though it feels like the two. name <laughs> It feels like the name dropped in popularity somewhere mid-70s. I hope that the two cousins called Dirk were from the same parent. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> See, again, I can't believe that to be true, that it dropped in popularity somewhere in the mid-70s, because Dirk Benedict, who was in the A-Team and Battlestar Galactica in the 80s, was uh, was knocking about. I would imagine, if anything, the name Dirk had a resurgence in the 80s. So I'm treating that with some suspicion. Okay. Also... Playing the I Know Germany card again, Andre says, Of course policemen send flowers to wrongfully accused women. That saved the florist industry in the 70s and became a tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Men get beers sent to them. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, I'm going to assume that's sarcasm, but also I really want to just install that as the truth. 
I would quite like to be wrongfully accused, uh, like insert myself closely, but with not enough evidence to be prosecuted for a murder in Germany, just so I never had to buy beer again. Just keep doing it constantly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah you're no, always so around like... at murders. You're you're like Angela Lansbury. I go like, <laughs> wasn't me. I don't like the accusation. Beer, please. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, thanks very much, Andre. That's that's great. That's really funny. <laughs> right, I'm done with things about passion. Okay. Um, in that case, I'll dip into a couple other things then. Um, I want to say a quick hello to uh, Neil Horror Dracula. Yes, hi Neil. Uh, getting in touch on Twitter and drawing some inspiration from the uh, Nature Gone Wild oh, right. uh, from last week. He went and dug out ticks for ah, a first watch. Wonderful, great stuff. Uh, so he did say that he was settling in to watch it on the basis of our recommendation because I because I watched it as part of the 90s side quest. I also recommended it. I asked him how this was panning out and Neil said, okay, I realised I've probably seen some of this before. I won't be buying the collector's edition disc, but it's hitting the mark really the ick factor, which I do agree with. I think that, like, I think that it's an entertaining film, but when it gets mm-hmm. kind of, when it has to kind of bunker down and get really grimy, it gets that very right. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. By the way, uh, nice of Neil to take time away from his new PlayStation 5 to get in touch with us. Uh, you'll notice Mitch that I am also sitting here the proud owner of a PS5 and have stepped away from the console long enough to talk to you my friend this is uh you know what like it it hasn't gone unnoticed and I appreciate it I really do (laughs) you're welcome um elsewhere I want to say a quick hello to Joey Keogh former guest oh yeah hi Joey so you got in touch ref our patreon content this week uh patrons will have noticed hopefully that on wednesday we put out a review episode of the netflix film nobody sleeps in the woods tonight yeah uh joy really liked it she got in touch saying i hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as i did the short answer to that is we probably didn't but we both liked it yeah i i, I had some issues but on the whole it was it was it was pretty good yeah um you got much else uh, i've got one thing on the graveyard story the uh yes. film that refuses to die um, yeah, this is never going away. Love it. Okay, cool. Um, what insights do we have this week on the Graveyard Story and Ron Hunt? Well, it's Laura Bynum getting in touch to say, ha ha ha, everyone in Graveyard Story has taken truth serum and can tell no lies. That is true. Like, th- there is not a moment in that film where Ron Hunt has to like pick a detail from anyone. It is all given to him on a plate. You know, that film is that film is staffed entirely with compulsive confessors. <laughs> like, there's there are crimes that are admitted to with no probing and like no investigation what done at all it's almost like everybody's like i have to get this burden off my chest yeah absolutely like people confess to crimes that have nothing to do with the central investigation just because ron looks at them a certain way <laughs> like when he gets kidnapped by that butcher guy later on and tied up that guy tells him every fucking dodgy thing that he's ever done down to the, his dealings with the mob and down to the fact that he has brainwashed a young child into believing that he's a father. Yeah, uh-huh. it's so funny. Uh, but thanks for getting in touch, Laura. I believe that was a second listen to that episode as well, which is uh, which is nice. Always nice to know that people are going back also, to them. Also, Laura, just uh, reminding us that we should give City in Panic a go, which is uh, on YouTube, apparently. That's, uh, I think, the only other credit to Adrian Paul, who plays Ron Hunt. Um, no, he, he plays a reporter in a Christmas film as well, in the nick of time. Of course, but, um, he did mention uh, that. He did mention that. But... Um, I am I am gonna watch City in Panic at some point. Uh, it feels like it's just kind of like just gradually kind of like crept into the DNA of the podcast between it being an Andy's pitch film and stuff like that. Um mm. and a couple of people have talked about it. So I feel like I should go check it out. But Laura, lovely to hear from you as always. Thanks for getting in touch. I have a couple more. Um a couple more things to get through. Mm. Um I wanna say a quick hello to uh, Dan Popomatic. 
Hi, Dan. Uh, who just said, I love Friday mornings when there's new episodes of Evolution Pod and Strong Violent PC to listen to. So um, we're in good company there. Very much so. Yeah, we love Mike. We've had Mike on our show and he's just great. Yes, lovely man and a great show that he does as well. Brilliant show. Um, every- I mean, I get the impression you probably don't need to hear this from us, but go check out Evolution Horror. <laughs> um, <laughs> also want to give a quick mention to um, Stevie and uh, just generally the a flourishing bad film club that is going on in the Chud Locker. I've got to say, I'm also quite enjoying the fact that since our episode last week, Stevie is now signing off his tweets as the Cousin Soho Vampire. <laughs> Yeah, it's stuck. Yeah, he's going with Pied Piper and uh, Curzon Soho Vampire. Um, Stevie, uh, continuing to mine the depths of shite um, during lockdown, uh, or lockdown 2, should I say. Sure. Uh, this week, he had um, extraterrestrial visitors and to catch a yeti. Oh, I've got to say, that second one appeals to me no end. I had a feeling it might, you know. Um, yeah, I thought that that was a very funny title. Um, I wonder if Chris Hansen's in it. <laughs> But loads of people um, have been getting in on the fun with uh, just kind of sharing the the garbage that they're watching. Um, Andrew Barron, of course, currently away uh, for four weeks on a work project, and he has just kind of decided to just devote a decent whack of his time to uh, watching some of the garbage that Prime and YouTube are offering. Uh, he posted an extended musing on some of the stuff that he checked out, but just want to mention very quickly that this week he has watched such classics as The Last Shark, Prisoners of the Lost Universe, Slithis, Oh yeah, okay, Slithers, yeah, 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 great. That was uh, that was in the running for the last Patreon watch along. Was indeed. Uh, also, Ghostwriter um, on YouTube. He's had the chilling summer camp nightmare, and uh, one that I piqued my curiosity from 1989. Mm-hmm. And he said it was one of his picks of the week. Ghetto Blaster. After the death of his wife, Travis returns to his old neighborhood to live with his parents. Soon realizing the streets he grew up in are now ruled by dangerous gangs, Travis must take the law into his own hands when his father is killed in a botched shakedown and the cops fail to act. Thankfully, when in the army, he specialized in urban warfare. Ghetto Blaster, though. That one's on YouTube. Uh, I would say all the stuff that uh, Andrew's been checking out this week, that's uh, up there. Stevie also watched Titanic 2. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like you you guys were really digging in hard on this. James Duffy watched Repo Jake. (laughs) Um, Which he characterized as being uh, evidence of the rife dependency on cocaine in Hollywood in the 80s. Um, so yeah, loads and loads of stuff this week. Also, want to say a quick hello to Guy Harvey Reeford as well, who ordered the Chud beer, another Chud beer from uh, McKellar, the Christmas hoarding underground dweller, um, Imperial Caramel Coconut Pastry Stout, which sounds lovely. That sounds delicious. Um, and I believe actually, uh, after they posted that, um, the uh, your your Chris Scalps of the world and people like that were looking at ordering some themselves. So uh, McKellar, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, McKellar, we'll take a crate of that, please. Yeah, you want to ship some of that in our direction? More than happy to take that off your hands. I would say that's about it for the feedback this week. It's honestly the tip of the iceberg. The Chud Locker has been amazing recently. I think that it's really nice that at a time where things have started to get slightly more shite again in the wider world, uh, it's been very cool to watch everybody kind of band together and have such a laugh. Um, it's Tentacles! Really that's tr- <laughs> for fuck's sake. Tentacles, Tentacles was, the was the other one. There it was. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, everyone's amazing. The Chud Locker's great. I can't tell you because I don't know, but I hear that it's lovely. And the things that I hear read out on feedback are simply great. Thank you, guys. 
And that's true of all the all the platforms that people are using to get in touch as well. But that's it for feedback this week. And big thank you, as always, to everybody that gets in touch and uh, means that we keep on getting to have this section because it would be quite awkward if there was nothing at this point. <laughs> but uh, sorry but for interrupting you there, Mitch, but I've been racking my brains for the past five minutes or so to remember what the fuck the first one of these things was that I did. Yeah, no, that's okay. I understand. I understand the compulsion. I'm the same. I, also, I think that I would have wanted to say it out loud before I forgot it again. And it came crashing back upon me like a wave. Absolutely. So, um, moving on. <laughs> it is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline, left only the image. It will be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and also to give it a title and a synopsis. Now... We do share this everywhere, so you guys can join in as well, mm-hmm. and uh, you have been doing that to an exceptionally high standard of late. I am happy to report that this week is no exception. This past week, we had Land of the Minotaur, um, a poster that I believe was submitted to us from Stevie, right. um, <laughs> which I reappropriated as the Boar Horseman, the final expedition of Parsons and Plenty Holes. Um, yeah. We stuck that out on social media this week, and uh, everyone got in touch. There was a load of them this week, but honestly, just like solid gold almost across the board. So uh, let's get into these. Darren Gaskell getting in touch on Facebook. The final season of the original Bullseye goes out with a bang as Jim Bowen reveals himself to be the Grand Wizard of a Minotaur-worshipping cult whose god will return to Earth when the incantation will take the speedboat is finally recited by unwitting contestants. (laughs) Will our barely-clad quizzer and darter avoid Bowen's minions long enough to discover the mystic dartboard where 101 or more and six arrows will put a stop to the forthcoming apocalypse? (laughs) You've got it in one! It's 1995's Bully's Special Prize. Barry Delgarno, trouble just seems to follow old Jack Burton wherever he goes. A year to the day since he saved San Francisco's Chinatown, Jack is hauling freight down Mexico Way when he stumbles across a Minotaur-worshipping cult. Things get personal when the cult throw his on-off love interest, Gracie Law, again played by Kim Cattrall, into the labyrinth to appease the beast. Jack is forced to deal with the beast and the cult in the only way he can. How can the same bullshit happen to the same guy twice, you'll ask? Find out in a theatre near you when Big Trouble in a Little China Shop is released August 26th. You'll have a bovine time. I like that. Okay, carry on. Tony Constantino on Facebook. Very exciting. When a freak lightning storm causes the local funfair attraction Stinky Rick the Mechanical Bull to become sentient, Rick begins to enact his deadly rampaging revenge by riding the unsuspecting townspeople of Little Respect, Ohio. Now the only man that can shut down the mechanical monstrosity is local auto mechanic, auto mechanic, (laughs) in the borderline bestiality burdened 1976 mechanical monster masterpiece, Electromechanic Killer Bull Apocalypse, Stinky Rick and the Long Night of Little Respect. This bull's got the horn. That sounds troublingly sexy. Uh, <laughs> it's confusingly sexy. Um, Lord Abinan, it is the mid-80s and the minor strike is cut short when the machinery becomes possessed by the spirit of Celtic warrior Owen Glindwer. Apologies for the pronunciation there. Sure. It's up to local reporter Megan Walker and pit boss Burley Chassis to save the day in blood red black gold. That sounds excellent. I would watch the living daylights out of blood red, black, gold. Very good. Kim Millward, it's the cursed sword and sandals film Stevie Reeve never wanted you to see. <laughs> when a body double was crushed to death by a polystyrene pillar and now his vengeful spirit possesses anyone who wears the loincloth he was wearing at the time. Theseus and the Labyrinth of Terror. <laughs> there is not a film that exists that Stevie doesn't want us to see. 
That's so true. Um, Kevin Matthews, a legendary hero, must return to the dark recesses of a dangerous labyrinth. Decades after filming the definitive movie about labyrinths, labyrinth, a codpiece discarded by Bowie has become sentient, mutated into a minotaur, and now threatens the entire world if he doesn't get a rematch with his old foe. It's a 2018 mashup, Perseus at Peril from the pop star's penis-holding progeny. Fuck's sake, okay. I feel like I feel, I feel like that alliteration was a little bit kind of like I really had to dig in for that. <laughs> Alexis Donnelly, 1995's Bullinator. He's here for your China. Okay. Dave Cooper, Nick McMuscles is plagued by nightmares, visions of a bullheaded, flamethrowing demon called Lord Buffalo. <laughs> Little does Nick know his nightmares will indeed become nightmares. As <laughs> Lord <laughs> Buffalo has risen from hell by a cult of misguided teens, it's down to Nick and his occasional booty call, Kirsty Strapless, <laughs> to stop the wayward teens and prevent the rise of Lord Buffalo in Buffalo Boogaloo Three: Flaming Rage. This time, it's not just the wings that are going to be hot. That's great. Yeah, enjoy that also. Lauren McIntyre, things go horribly wrong for Jim Bowen in Bullseye the movie. Oh, okay, right, okay. By the way, I feel like Lauren and Darren are kind of falling into some kind of sympathetical rhythm here. Yeah, I think that I think that that's become a hive mind somewhere in the last few months. Uh, Damon Rickard, a Burt Reynolds look-alike stripper, is hired for a party, only to discover that he's in the middle of a sacrificial ritual to bring fire-breathing demons from other dimensions to take over the world, and only he can stop it. Damon's title was Demon Geist from the Third Portal of Hell. Paul Ducker intervened and suggested a one-way strip to hell. <laughs> So uh, teamwork making the dream work there. A mm-hmm. couple more. We've got Freighter Perdurabo on Facebook. It shouldn't happen to a bodybuilder. Classic 70s comedy. All that newlywed bodybuilder Reg Miller wants to do is have sex with his new wife, Shirley. However, his amorous intentions are constantly interrupted by Satanists, fleeing crowds, collapsing castles, and a giant fire-breathing minotaur. Will he ever get his end away? Also featuring Frankie Hebert. <laughs> And finally, James Rodriguez on Facebook. Eager to spend time with his new girlfriend, bearded beefcake Grizzly Bear travels to an underground location so they can watch a band suggested by Grizz's neighbour. Unfortunately for them, it's all a ruse set up by occultists to get a batch of fresh sacrifices for their evil plan. The aim is to sacrifice six victims to their minotaur god so she can grow six additional arms and destroy the world. Can love conquer all? Will the couple escape with their lives? It's 1985's My Neighbour Minotauro. (laughs) The rise of Sandra Bullock. Okay, I feel like I feel like I feel like the title was worth it. Wow, a couple more actually, just really quickly. Um, Bill Carr, a man lends a woman his shirt. Will they live happily ever after, or will life conspire against them? Find out in Satanic Inferno of the Colossal Ox Fiend. <laughs> Honey <laughs> underscore Ray on Twitter. Sherry Bakewell discovers that joining a cult to get some interesting pics for Instagram turns out to be a mistake when she is almost sacrificed to a hungry minotaur who prefers his meat well done. It's Knots and Nosos playing with fire. Oh, that's clever. I thought that, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, C.P. Buckley, while taking a well-deserved vacation to a small Greek island, paranormal investigator Dick Hardman finds himself in hot water as he and his new girlfriend Carol Fodder are drugged, <laughs> are drugged in their hotel and wake up in a strange chamber surrounded by hooded cult members. The leader of the ancient cult who worship a deity called Koblechi, the god of the undying, tell Dick and Carl that they must survive a maze on the Minotaur at its centre in order to survive. Always not as it seems in the maze when both start to hallucinate. Ooh. Dick must fight through the maze and the strange visions he's having all while discovering the dark truth about Carol and the cult. It's the psychedelic sequel to Hardman Factor 7, The Hardman and the Maze. <laughs> okay. And Canel. A group of promiscuous teens are picked off one by one in a travelling carnival's haunted house by a Zodiac-influenced serial killer in Charles Band's exploitation classic, Taurus Trap. Brilliant. Love it. That's great. That is your lot for the pitches this week. Uh, there was a lot. Shit. Powerful stuff. There was a lot in there. Uh, I know, but I didn't really want to leave any of them out. Um, because, 
yeah, people really delivered the goods again this week. So big thank you to everybody who got in touch this week. However, there can only be a handful of winners. So, um, uh, Andy, we need from you a best pitch and a best character name. Okay, uh, best character name, Carol Fodder. Okay, no worries, yep. Best pitch to Bill Carr. <laughs> okay, I, I support that 100%. So, uh, Carol Fodder is a win for CP Buckley, and Bill Carr wins best pitch with Satanic Inferno of the Colossal Oxfiend. <laughs> it gets better the second time you hear it. I was going to say, yeah, every time I say it, I like it more. <laughs> um, so, turning our attentions then to uh, this week's pitch. Yeah, so you're right. Um, uh, yeah, but what I will say, and it's entirely up to you if you want to do this this week, but Stephen Wales reached out to me. Fuck, right, okay, I can see where this is going. Well, he had uh, freshly photoshopped an image. He'd removed the title and tagline and any other identifying text and left only the image. And he did ask me if I would like it to have to pitch to you. So, like I say, there is no obligation to do this whatsoever. I understand that you've done a couple of these lately, and I know from experience that uh, trying to put it together in a time-sensitive situation is stressful. So... You know, this is we do Mitch's pitches, right? Yeah. I, I, how about this, right? If you do this week's one, I'll do all of the rest of them until the end of the year. Until the end of time. <laughs> I'll, I'll do all of the rest of them until one of us dies. <laughs> that sounds fair. Okay, cool. Right, in that case, uh, this week's image is on its way to you now. I think this is really good, actually, i got to say. Okay. Oh. Okay. Right, well then. Okay, uh, say what you say. Okay. Uh, there's not too much to get concerned about here. Um, to follow your kind of usual convention for doing these things, I can tell you, Mitch, that there's no border. No border to speak of. Correct, yeah. Uh, what we have, though, is a cityscape. One, two, three. Yes. A relatively small cityscape, given there's only five buildings that are all relatively close in the foreground, and I can't see any protruding over the top of the buildings, so I'm led to believe that this is all there are. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, fine with that. Really, I'm looking, we're looking at kind of corporate buildings here. They look like office buildings. One of them's very glassy, very, very kind of high-end looking. I'll come to the main building in a minute, but uh, what we're seeing behind this is a dark sky lit only by lightning flashes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down in the foreground here, we have what looked like a bunch of kind of mindless office drones making their way towards the, I guess, the focal point building. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is really a building of two halves, given that the bottom half is very much a t- traditional building. We've got what appears to be quite a nice kind of vestibule. Uh, and and then we've got approximately 10 regular looking floors and then the building kind of diverges a little bit widens out to become a coffin sure does yep that's true (laughs) okay yep i think you're 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 hitting on all the key points here i think i'm pretty much there um lightning strikes coffin building as office drones approach for presumably another boring old day at the office yep happy enough for that i'm gonna hazard a guess that you will require a moment Something's already formed almost immediately, but uh, yeah, give me the moment anyway to flesh it out. Sure. Already feeling this isn't my best work. <laughs> see, see, like you know, it's like it's it's horrible. You can't you can't be just producing gold all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of I, I can't remember who did the pitch that was uh, I thought it was Barry Delgarno's pitch. I think I've kind of gone along a similar line to Barry, and I've dug into sequel territory here. Okay, that's fine. Um, that's fine. That's that's allowed. Okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting there. This is a, a kind of deep dive into eighties comedy as well. Okay, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Uh, how's your knowledge of eighties comedies? I'm gonna surprise you here, Andy. Pretty shite. 
Cool, so this one's going to mean absolutely nothing to you. Terrific. Uh, I'm ready, by the way. Okay, cool. Lay it on me. Having blagged and lied his way to the top rung of the Penrose Corporation in 1987's The Secret of My Success, charming swindler Brantley Foster is loving his new career and wealth, having put the shadow of Carlton Whitfield behind him. When Brantley is headhunted by the sinister multinational company Titan Globoplex (laughs) (laughs) to head up their bioweapons research and sales division, Brantley realises that he has bitten off more than he can chew. Now, stranded on the top floor of Titan Globoplex HQ with his underlings exposed to a flesh-eating virus which also imparts an insatiable hunger for human flesh and, ably aided by plucky biochemist Dr. Sheila Femali, Brantley will have to summon the chutzpah of the ghost from his past to help him climb back down the corporate ladder and escape this hell of his own making. Michael J. Fox returns in the 1992 horror comedy sequel to the beloved underdog story, The Secret of My Success 2. Is this covered under the company benefit scheme? (laughs) I think you're being quite hard on yourself. I quite like that. Uh, Okay, what year did you say? Uh, It's 1992. Okay, not too far out there, I've got to say, 1989. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It was two years after the first Secret of My Success, right? But the rest of it's ah, okay. oh, the rest of it's correct. Uh, yes, uh, um, and this is uh, Dark Tower. Oh, not the Dark Tower, the Stephen King book. No, no, a different one. And uh, I will tell you what it is actually about, courtesy of uh, this week's IMDb so- uh, synopsisizer, who I think might have been on it before, uh, Jean-Marc Rocher. Okay, yeah, that rings a bell to me. Yeah, because I remember thinking at the time that I liked Ferrero Rocher's. Yes, that rings a bell, that's a nice say it, yeah. Mm. Um, Okay, here we go. When a window washer falls to his death from the side of a Barcelona high-rise office building, also killing an unsuspecting pedestrian, security consultant Dennis Randall is called in to investigate. Although he first believes the death to be accidental, he soon comes to realise that some strange force is at work inside the building. What could be causing these accidents? More importantly, is there any way it can be stopped? Christ almighty. So there you go. Um, so that's Dark Tower. Uh, also, uh, Dylan Connor also synopsized it saying, the construction of a skyscraper is being haunted by a ghost. <laughs> if you're in the market for brevity. Um, <laughs> that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. I promise I'll do it next week and for the foreseeable future, because frankly, Andy, I feel like you've suffered Ugh, enough. Mitch, I don't mind this, but I mean, we're getting to the territory now where we have to consider renaming the segment. This is very true. Yeah, no, I'll pull the average back over the next couple of weeks, I promise. Okay. So, turning our attentions then to the streaming platforms for this week, the kind of pre-Christmas famine is continuing to a certain extent uh, in as much as there is nothing to speak of on Amazon Prime uh, Mm -hmm. this week as far as I can tell. Sky Cinema on Saturday we have The Rhythm Section, a woman seeks revenge against those who killed her family. When she discovers the plane crash wasn't an accident, she turns to a former CIA operative to help uncover the truth. Wow, okay. I shift in focus to Shudder, who have got your back this week, I must say. On Monday, we've got Queen of Earth. Tensions rise when an emotionally fragile woman spends one week with her best friend. This stars Catherine Waterston and Elizabeth Moss. Okay. Like, this this got a really good reception. So I think it's four or five years old now, but I'm generally considered to be pretty good. Also, coming to Shudder on Tuesday, we've got Porno, when five repressed teens at a local movie theatre in a small Christian town discover a mysterious old film hidden in its basement. They unleash an alluring demon that is determined to give them a sex education written in blood. I saw this at Fright Fest last year. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, pretty entertaining. I liked it. Um, and on Netflix, a couple of things coming on Friday. We've got Don't Listen, after a tragic turn of events at the home he's fixing up daniel hears a ghostly plea for help spurring him on to seek out a famous paranormal investigator and also we've got the call connected by a phone in the same house but 20 years apart a serial killer puts another woman's past and life on the line to change her own fate 
Gulach. So there you go. That's your lot for this week. I would say pick there is probably porno. Agreed. Yep. I've heard good things about Queen of Earth as well, but yeah, I'm going to go with porno. Uh, so that's your lot for this week. However, yeah. speaking of this week, we have got a treat coming for you on Friday. We do indeed, yeah. Now we do have a guest again, uh, running out of spaces between now and the end of the year. I can't believe how quick this is all uh, This is all creeping up, but we do have a returning guest this week. We do, yeah, yeah. Th- this man has been on at us to come back on and now's the time we just decided fuck it let's do it we're getting to the end of the year let's have some fun yeah let's get some people who we've enjoyed having on and uh also i think you guys enjoyed quite a bit as well he is most famous for directing the films frankenstein's creature and a little more flesh and also famously on this show comparing the garbage pale kids to the nightingale It's Mr. Sam Ashurst returning this week. What a treat! Yeah, I can't, I can't wait, and I, I can't wait to discuss the film that he's that he's chosen either, because we're going back to 1984 for Troma's. Well, I wouldn't say Troma's masterpiece. I have opinions on that, which I'm sure we'll get to. But it's the Toxic Avenger. Sam Ashurst and the Toxic Avenger. What a combo! Yeah, that should be interesting. Sure will. That's this Friday from midnight, of course. Have you seen this one? How do you? F- I have not. No, I think I've seen half of it, and then I got diverted and had to go and do something. So I will go back, and I promise that I'll finish it. <laughs> In okay. fact, I'll start from the beginning. Yeah, I would but, appreciate uh, you start from the beginning rather than just rely on something that you have a vague memory of watching one time. Yeah, but. Yeah, my three-year-old knowledge of the first 40 minutes of it. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but yeah, Sam Ashurst this week joining us to talk to Toxic Avenger. It's going to be a ton of fun. If you want to get in touch with us between now and then, then there are loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Scenes at gmail.com. Don't forget, we've talked about it a little bit on the show today as well. The Shud Locker, our Facebook group, is growing every week. It's so much fun. If you like this and feel like for some reason what your life could use is more of it, come find us. Yeah, and if you feel that you could use even more of what we do patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes the stuff there people on higher tiers by the way uh you will soon be hearing from us we will be sending out some bits and bobs and items and things like that very soon indeed yeah time to start looking at that again but yeah head on over there take a look at what's there see if there's anything you like we will have some more content coming out very soon indeed as well However, we will be back this Friday in the main feeds talking the Toxic Avenger with Sam Ashars. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chance. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 